0: Welcome back to another episode of That's Business. Today's guest, John Reed, is the founder of Rain BDM, a consultancy that helps lawyers build outstanding client relationships. He and his team train and provide law firms when needed with marketing services and support from one-time projects to outsource marketing department engagements. A former practicing lawyer, John knows the challenges confronting the profession and the changing legal landscape. Differentiation and standing out in the marketplace have never been more important. John coaches attorneys in business development and assists firms with branding and positioning, content writing, blog and social media management, strategic planning, corporate social responsibility initiatives, and other marketing needs. John is a member of the State Bar of Michigan, the chair of the Legal Marketing Association's Michigan Chapter, a certified Myers-Briggs Type Indicator practitioner, and a member of the Board of Trustees for Leader Dogs for the Blind. John, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. And for those of you listening, we spent about the first 10 minutes before we started recording, figuring out all the intricacies of the mutual people we know. So power of networking works, folks. But John, I'm so excited. How are we doing today?
1: Great. I, You know, after that bio. I, I want to meet that guy. He sounds all right.
0: He's pretty all right. He does a thing or two. I don't know where he has time to do anything.
1: He's crazy. So <laughs> He's crazy. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. So before we dive into the leader dogs and all the awesome things you do for attorneys, let's throw it back a little bit. What was your childhood like and what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: When I was growing up, I wanted to be older. Oh, I I just always wanted to be older than I was. That's the curveball, right? You were expecting me to say, you know, profession, occupation, dream kind of thing. Yep. I don't know that I necessarily had one. I just wanted to be older. I figured it would all work itself out. Yeah. At one point I wanted to be an architect. And at one point I wanted to be a book publisher editor. And at one point I, well, that's where I started. I wanted to be in advertising, but I just wanted to be older. And now it's like, I just wish I had cooled my jets.
0: Yes. I was just going to say that, right? I think you are the first person, I think we're on episode 80 or so this will be, but you are the first person to not pick a profession. I love that. So Do you remember why it was I just wanted to be older?
1: Well, first off, I have two brothers who are eight and 10 years older than I. So I think there's a clear indication that it was much cooler to be their age than my age. I remember kind of growing up more around adults. I mean, I certainly had my friends in school and what have you, but I just thought everything was better older. When you're a freshman in high school, you want to be anything but. When you're a junior in high school, you are looking forward to what's after high school. Senior, you would want to, school to slow down a little bit. But, you know, in college, it's, it's still like, OK, how am I going to support myself? It just was this constant stream of what's next and nothing in particular, just, you know, what's next.
0: Well, and I think we're kind of told that as a society. And I've noticed this now that I have friends with kids and little ones being around them more is like, oh, you'll get to be at the big kid table or, oh, and are you a big boy? Or are you a big girl doing this? And it's like, we're told at such a young age, like, oh, I want to be older and I want to be in this because then I get to sit at a table. And I'm like, I want to sit at the kids table now. I don't want to be at the adult table as an adult. Oh, yeah. Come on.
1: I want to eat all my meals with my own hands without utensils. That's what I want. No
0: rules. Exactly. It's so interesting. And that's making me think of at what point was I like, OK, time needs to slow down. And I think you're right. It was Maybe that first year or two out of college, you know, maybe 22, 23, I'm like, okay, this is not all it's cracked up to be.
1: I want to go back. Hit the rewind button.
0: I want to go back, please. So talk us through because you have a lot of interesting pieces of you. So I think you had said you went to college. So what did we end up doing right after college? And where did your interest kind of fall into what you're doing now?
1: Yeah, I'm going to throw you another curveball and let's work backwards. Sweet, let's do it. I tell people that my career to date is like a Surat painting so if you're familiar with Surat, the pointism like all the dots right exhibitions in the park and whatever and if you stand real close it just looks completely disjointed it doesn't make any sense and for a long time it didn't make sense to me either but then finally you step back and like hey there's a picture there and this tends to make sense so with that in mind, for context, I started out in advertising. I thought that's where I was going to end up, but I was not on the creative side, which I think ultimately probably was why I didn't hang in with it. I was on the account services side. Somebody thought it would be a good idea for me to go to law school, which I did. And I actually had more fun in law school than I was supposed to have. Oh. I had more fun in law school than than in college. Really? It was great. And then I practiced and I was, I was in litigation for a while and I realized that I was conflict diverse, which is a problem. Yes. And then began the series. I went into legal recruiting when it was in its infancy. I spent 11 years with a company called what's now Thomson Reuters. So providing all sorts of information to lawyers and services and whatever. And, and the last four years there was fantastic. It was like legal business finishing school for me. Then I went to work for a large national law firm oriented public relations firm to do marketing with them. And I was there for about a minute and a half. And rather than go back into the sales marketing executive role that I had been in, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give this sole proprietor business owner thing a shot and best thing I ever did. And that was 13 years ago. So what's interesting now is I have conversations with clients and all of that stuff comes into play. Every bit of it, every step along the way and then some. So where I am now is truly a culmination of everywhere I've been and I'm that much better for it. I used to think, oh God, I'm pivoting. I'm going here and pivoting here and pivoting here. In the end, I didn't really change direction. I just kind of meandered my way in forward motion and got where I am. But I. Looking back now, I don't think there are any tremendously drastic changes. My wife would say differently. but
0: I like how casual you've been about this because it's like, oh, I guess I'll I'll try the entrepreneur thing casually. Like it's just, I mean, it's funny because it is easier being on the other side and seeing like, oh, it's not as difficult or awful to actually start a business. It's rather easy, but I love that you had the confidence and were just like, yeah, let's try it. Why not? But you had some years under your belt too. That's awesome.
1: Well, I... I'm not going to say it was all, you know, hey, Rosie, you know, oh, leap off here from the lily pad. It wasn't. And actually kind of circling back here, the problem with always wanting to be older is you don't recognize until later that by rushing things, you miss learning opportunities more than anything else, but you you missed opportunities. So crazy where I went to college, it is and has been for decades now, the number one school for entrepreneurial studies. So if you want to open businesses, be a serial entrepreneur, you go there. And what did I study? Marketing. I mean, I didn't even get a minor in it. And now it's like, boy, I wish I had paid more attention to that.
0: But at 18, how are you... I know I wasn't thinking about that, but it's I didn't even know half the careers out there or at 18 years old, you can't even legally drink. You're supposed to decide the trajectory for the rest of your life. I mean, that's wild to me. And when I've had a few guests on here that they're like, oh, well, I changed my major three or four times. and like, I did, too. I mean, I went from journalist to FBI criminal investigator to wanted to be an industrial organizational psychologist, ended up in recruiting, you know, and now I do this. So. It's always fascinating to me when people say that because it's like, I was not who I am today at 18 years old. And it, it's a whole different story. But like you said, being older,
1: it is. And now that I have kids, two boys, 21, 25, it's all about slow down, take it all in, take the opportunity. There's no rush, man. You know, you don't have to race through this. And, you know, so what we know now and and what we should have known then, I guess, huh?
0: A little bit. Hindsight's 2020, though, right? Yep. Now, when you started this business, because when I was introduced to you, shout out to Laura Khalil for that. I love what you're doing, especially because I always look at what businesses are not marketing themselves in the best way or who needs help. And I love that not only are you a member of the State Bar of Michigan, you went to law school, you literally know this inside and out. How did you identify that was going to be your niche, so to say, or how you were going to provide value for your clients?
1: Yeah, the great thing about this quirky enterprise we call Rain BDM is it's how we think things should be. And we have great relationships with our clients. And we've chosen mutually not to enter into relationships with other law firms because it's not a fit. It's not that I don't like them or don't like what they do. It's just not a fit. At the heart of we call it rain, at the heart of rain is the idea that it's all about building relationships. When you're in professional services, law, accounting, whatever it may be, you don't have a product to sell. You don't the product is you. You don't have a widget. And so, what does that mean? How do you want to represent? How do you want to deliver your services things like that? So, I look back on all of my sales career and any success I had was based on forging relationships. I wasn't, you know, the, <laughs> the press hard bottom copy is yours contract. That ain't me. I was never that. I remember going to sales training where they were teaching that kind of stuff, you know. I actually had a manager one time says, drop your pen on the floor. And then when the person goes to pick it up, you can say, well, you've got the pen in here. And why don't you sign here? It's like, you got to be kidding me. Oh, it's just icky, gross, icky, oily, slick, gross, salesy stuff, which, whatever, not for me. (laughs) And so the DNA of Rain is we will help you build those relationships. We will help you with the one on one coaching, conversational skills, building trust, rapport, chemistry, all that stuff. But we'll also help you with the marketing activities that put you in positions to initiate and cultivate those relationships. If there's a law firm that wants to talk to me with the end goal of making the phone ring more and not buying into or embracing that idea of relationship building and just kind of running a volume practice, that's great. We need those lawyers out there to do what they're doing. They're not a good fit for what we do. That's just sacrosanct in what we do. Everybody on my team just totally as I say, embraces it, they get it, they live it. And that's what we reflect back to our clients.
0: Now, without giving away the trade secrets, of course, how do you actually do this? Because I feel that when you need a lawyer, it's always like an incredibly vulnerable time, whether you're getting a divorce or whether you're suing someone or just all the other intricacies that go into law, or maybe it's positive, but building that relationship instead of making clients not feel like a number is huge because that's what most of us want. Now, how do you work with your clients to do that and understanding like this is what you need to do without, of course, giving away your trade secrets, but let's hear it.
1: So kudos to you that you identified that any decision to contact a lawyer inherently involves vulnerability and emotion and angst. And I would extend that to say outside of divorce and custody and whatever, I don't care if you're the general counsel of a large corporation, your decision to hire outside counsel somewhere, somewhere, somehow, someplace you're thinking, I can't have this contract review screwed up. You know, this merger needs to go right or whatever. I need to report back to my board too big to fail, whatever it may be. So I don't think it's any sort of secret special sauce or anything. Again, at the heart of it is, what are you doing to connect with that prospective client? The ones you don't even know, by the way, the ones that are thinking about they need to hire a lawyer. What are you doing to make it easier for them to get over that threshold of reaching out to you? So that's just for starters. And then along the way, it's just client care. What can you do to, well, I I will say this, I, I tell the people I coach all the time, always demonstrate what it's like to work with you. So if you're completely myopic on what you're billing and what you're charging and only getting the matter done, as admirable as that may be, are you also showing care and concern for them individually, for their business, for their family? What can you do to be different from the other person? Which 90% of marketing is just being different from everybody else, I think.
0: I agree with it. And I love that you said you don't want the high volume if your goal is the phone ringing off the hook. They're not the ideal client for you. But people don't realize if you have great client relationships, referrals, like referrals on that, because if someone had a great experience, I mean, especially in the law realm where I get friends that like Angela, I need help with this or who do you know? And I have my list of trusted advisors, including lawyers of that, too. Because they take the time for customer care, and I think it's a lot- not a lot of business owners, but some business owners forget that good customer experience leads to more revenue. not I want the phone ringing off the hook, which you said yes is good for some law firms, but not for everyone. You have to focus on the client experience and not make people feel like another number. It's awful now, how do you intermingle, of course, the marketing and and I know you said being different from everyone else, mm-hmm. but how do you do that? with your customer relations work you do for clients? How do you integrate the two?
1: I guess I should kind of explain how things are broken down. There's two sides to the house, which I think makes us unusual. On the one side, business development, coaching, and training. And again, our kind of unique approach. I tell people, we don't hand you a book and say, we're starting on page one and we get to 573. Congratulations, you graduated. We take Our attorneys, just like they take their clients where we find them. So that was one of the reasons to go into get Myers-Briggs certification is you're going to coach and expect different business development activity out of an introvert, clinical introvert, than you would out of a raging, flaming extrovert. And look, if an extrovert wants to go to have lunch eight days a week, that's great. Fantastic. But you've got to come at it different ways. So that's on the coaching side. And then on the other side, we've got the, I guess, marketing agency. I've never really been comfortable with the word agency. I like, I think marketing consulting firm is better, but.
0: I agree. I like that more. Yeah.
1: But on the marketing side, here's what we don't do. We don't build websites because for your viewers out there, I'm not even as smart as I look. There are listeners. For your listeners out there, I'm not as smart as I look. See, I screwed up the joke. Um, There are different price points. There's different creativity levels. There's different whatever for websites. So somebody else can do that. We don't do SEO. And I'm, I'm going to tick off a lot of people here, Angela, but I don't think you can spell snake oil without SEO. <laughs> I say that a lot and people know me, you know, know me that I say that a lot. And in the legal space, there's probably a handful of people I trust because there's so many people out there saying first page results, first page results. Well, most of our clients don't rely on SEO to get their business anyway. So that's a disconnect. Um, yeah, that's what we don't do. I could say, you know, a year or two ago, we didn't do public relations. And now we're doing more of that because we've brought on some great people. And we've got clients who have said, hey, we understand you don't do this, but we trust you. Let's learn together. And so, I mean, how great is that? That you've got clients that allow you to build your service repertoire, not necessarily on their dime, but at least understanding that they're going to get the benefit of the education that we get. So we do a lot of content development. So to your question, it's the whole ball of wax. It's, okay, attorney, when you meet somebody, how are you going to engage in that conversation to understand their needs, legal or otherwise, by the way? How are you going to foster that relationship? When you think you've got a good opportunity, how do you close, lowercase c? How do you ask for business and move forward, right? And then what do you do along the way to promote what you do, your firm, your thought leadership, and that's where the content comes into play. How do you present in terms of websites and marketing collateral? How do your bios read on your website? So it's a difficult question to answer because there's so many moving parts to it. But I think that's our job. We're kind of watching. We're brand protectors. And I don't think a lot of lawyers at the individual level, law firms, yes, but I don't think a lot of lawyers at the individual level think that they have brands and they do. And so we educate and protect their brands with them.
0: And I like that connotation, too, because it is a brand. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't even know if this is right to say, but I'm going to say it. In most law firms, it's your name of the partners there. So if anything, it's you are your walking brand, especially on if we're going to pick any industry laws. I feel number one with that. It is your last name on the billboards, on everything as a law firm. It's all of your last name. So to not think of yourself as a brand is rather interesting, but I could see why your clients wouldn't too.
1: Yeah, no, you don't see a lot of law stores out there or, you know, um, (laughs) welcome to the law shoppy, S-H-O-P-P-E. Yes. You're right. People's names are on the door and that's a whole different dynamic because there's the people with their names on the door. And then there's the people whose names are not on the door who work for the people whose names are on the door.
0: But it is a whole brand and it's so interesting. So with your clients you work with, do you have a certain type of law you support or is every day a little different? What does it look like on your list of clients? What specialties are they in?
1: They're all over the place. And that's just fine because I have the attention span of a six year old. So (laughs) it is great to work with different people in different areas. I will say this, the legal and marketing background is invaluable, whether it's the JD or the ESQ or, you know, whatever we're going to use as a connotation for my being a lawyer. That shortens conversations tremendously when I'm talking to lawyers. They know that I get it. I've been in the law school trenches. I've been in the practice trenches for you know, some period. And and I understand it now having been working with lawyers and law firms on the business side for so long, there's even more credibility there. Our team of writers are all lawyers. And that is a recruiting nightmare, (laughs) you know, to find people that want to write and write in a way that is not legalese, but can be understood by whoever the intended audience is. The other great thing about being a non-practicing attorney is I get to practice vicariously through all of our clients. Oh, yeah. I get to bring what I know as a baseline, you know, kind of understanding, which is great. And then they get to tell me and teach me and show me what's new. But then I can have a conversation and, and bring in my own legal thinking or business thinking or just plain old leg curiosity. So it's really cool. I love it when there's disparity, seeming disparity, right? Like. Show me a commercial litigator that also does immigration law, right? Now, they all freak out. They're like, well, I love both, but how do I promote that? And I'm like, it promotes itself. (laughs) I mean, it's so memorable that that's what you do. I guess maybe I'm the brand whisperer or the personal brand whisperer as I bring out people. I'm like, hey, here's what is interesting and exciting about you. Let's run with that. That's cool. Let's find a way. But anyway, no real specialty. And I think what's been really great though is we've expanded. We used to be primarily in Michigan and now fewer than half of our clients are in Michigan. So wow. We're working with clients across the country and what they bring to the table where they are locally. It's kind of the same law. I mean it's a you know, changes by jurisdiction a little, but it's fun for me.
0: Do you have any exciting things coming up for your firm in the next few months, year, any exciting things you? no,
1: there's nothing, nothing exciting, nothing yeah. exciting uh, actually, Angela, every couple of years we go through our own internal branding exercise, kind of like who are we and whatever, And we just can't shake three particular words and we just I'm using the word embrace them again. Quirky, creative, and clever. creative because just that innovative, creative, thinking differently. Um, clever, not smugly clever, but just kind of coming up with some interesting things and doing things a little bit different. And quirky is just like, we got a sense of humor. If you don't have a sense of humor, there's no place for you in our group. And we like to laugh with our clients. And I think they generally like that type of release too. We're very serious about the work we do, but we have a lot of fun doing it and we're quirky. So we just celebrated our 13th anniversary. Congratulations. Um, because anybody can celebrate a 10th anniversary. We had a big 13th anniversary uh, to do. It probably didn't help that our 10th anniversary was in 2020 in the midst of COVID. So there was nothing to celebrate then. And then 21 wasn't much better. And then we kind of forgot about 22. So 13, lucky number, came around. And so we've, we've had some fun with that uh, doing some things. So that's big. And I'd say we're, I'm going to change the pronoun, I. Um, 2023 is the year that I get better as a manager. Oh yeah. I mean, this started as just me 13 years ago and now we're at 18 people. And you know, I never put myself in these circles of, you know, the founder who became, you know, who needed to step aside or the founder who needed to hire an CEO. I'm just a big second grader. I have huge imposter syndrome. And so this was the year, or is the year, as it's turning out to be, it's a really huge challenge. How do we formalize things, but still maintain the quirkiness and the cleverness and the creativity? And how do I be better for my people, empower my people to do more, allow me to work, as they say, more on the business than in the business? So yeah, no, I kind of light up about it. It's very exciting. We're doing something, but it's probably the hardest thing I've ever done.
0: Absolutely. I love that piece of focusing on being a better manager and managing. And congratulations, 13 is my second favorite number. So 11 <laughs> my first, but everyone's like, 13 so taboo. I'm like, no, it's not. It's a great number. So I love that you had a 13 anniversary party because that's awesome. Then the whole premise of focusing on being a better manager like you said, a lot of people step out or we're hearing these horror stories of the CEOs taking millions of dollars while cutting salaries. And it's just so important. And the career coach in me and the recruiter absolutely loves that. And will fall asleep tonight knowing that there are great people like yourself still out there. So
1: we had a shout out to Laura, Laura Clill, everybody look her up. She's great. But another big shout out to, to Julie Reed, my wife who is leadership development, organizational behavior, coach, thought leader, extraordinaire, who has helped me to embrace that. And uh, that, or she's just trying to make sure we can eat for the rest (laughs) of our lives. Um, (laughs) And that there's some flow of money somewhere. Somewhere.
0: Yes. Amazing. Anything else you want to add?
1: Besides my working on the business. I have a podcast. It pales in comparison to yours, I'm sure. This thing we call Sticky Lawyers is, in a nutshell, where I interview interesting lawyers doing interesting things. And it's actually kind of similar to this because you've got lawyers who took a hobby and turned it into a career, something they experienced in their youth that pushed them into the law or a certain area of law. People in very interesting niche areas of the law, but we've interviewed music industry lawyers. I've interviewed a UFO lawyer. I've interviewed a space lawyer, similar to the UFO lawyer, but a little bit different. Wow. I've interviewed uh, a lawyer who has dived to the Titanic four times as a lawyer for the company that was going down to get footage of the Titanic. Um, Just amazing stories of people doing interesting things who happen to be lawyers as well. So um, that was my shameless shout out plug, but we've been a little sporadic, but this is also the year where we get much more on track and we've got great guests coming out soon. And so I'm very, it, that for passion project for me. I love it. Just love it.
0: And the lovely John Gay, who edits this podcast, is also working with John Reed here. So we have some alignment on that as well. But that's exciting. Now, is it on our platforms or where can my listeners listen to your podcast?
1: You can find it wherever you get your podcasts, but you can also go to StickyLawyers.com and see everything. What the show notes, the transcripts, the people, the whole thing. Um, but if I'm number 80 on your podcast, we're not quite there yet. But as they used to say, We're on the charts with a bullet. We're headed towards the top. We're
0: headed towards the top. And that's, hey, and who knows, maybe we'll have a year from now and your podcast is blowing up off the charts and we'll say, hey, you heard it here first on That's Business. You never know.
1: That's right. Absolutely.
0: That's amazing. Now, as we wrap this up, what advice do you have for listeners?
1: I have two. I have two pieces of advice. One, kind of where we started, slow your roll. Take it all in. You know, always be learning. And if you're racing, you can't learn. You can't learn the right way. And the other thing I'd say is just because of today's climate, relax. You know, not everybody's baggage fits in the overhead compartment. And you just don't know what's going on with the other person. And that is actually extremely useful in what we do. Because you don't know if the other person's had a bad experience with a lawyer. You don't know if the other person's ever hired a lawyer in the past or not. So when you just take the time to be a little more mindful about the other person, I think we could all do better in life and business if we did that. Oh,
0: absolutely. I love that. Those are two great pieces of advice. John, thank you so much for being a guest. This was so impactful.
1: This flew by. I know. Did I say anything of any value?
0: A lot.
1: I just, I I didn't even know if I answered your questions. I don't
0: even remember half the questions I ask sometimes.
1: This is perfect.
0: This is the great dynamic we need.
1: Answered questions that you didn't know you asked.
0: Exactly. We got it done. I love it. Now, if you want to follow John and see the exciting things coming up for him, please head to the show notes. Look at all of the wonderful links he has. And tune in again next week for another episode of That's Business. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, The Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone. But here at The Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.